Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Hello, everyone. I have the first question. Okay, go on. It's not on the Q&A. You just text me it. Um, oh, just going right in there. Like, not, how's your week been? What have you done this uh, week? I don't care. I don't okay. care. I don't give a shit. Go straight in. How long would you give away PT for as a prize? A month or three months? Um, if I was going to do it, I'd do it properly. Well, do it properly is the wrong term, but I, I, I just think go big personally. Um, I think the idea of doing a giveaway is to get a lot of low, um, a high volume of leads for a low barrier. So personally, if I was going to do it, I'd, I'd do it in a big way. And I would go with the three months and the maximum price of everything or singing and dancing because essentially what people are doing then is turning around and going, I want your coaching. So decent leads. Yeah, and I just think if you want to grab a, a decent level of attention and awareness, then I, I, I would go big, personally. What would you do? Depending on how many clients I need would probably depend on what I would do in regards to a month versus three. Yeah, I'd still go big. Well, that's fantastic. Okay, so next question then. Go on then. You little wanker. Um, may as well ask it here too. How would you approach online group coaching clients inquiring about in-person sessions, particularly when it's framed as I just want a couple to get me going as price has been mentioned as a barrier already. Um, the first thing I would do is I think because when you, when you're going from like a group program or even when you've been speaking to someone for a long time as a lead and maybe help them out quite a bit, um, Sometimes we can take a full sense of security in the relationship that we've built with that person. And we can sometimes overlook digging into the challenges a little bit further, digging into the barriers a little bit further. Um, so the first thing I would do is, is take a bit of reflection on how that's been done and really, really dig in. Don't take any type of kind of assumption into that conversation. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing I would do is think about how I am framing the service moving forward. Because if you take, if you take in-person training and think about, apart from the obvious, what type of things is that providing someone? It's providing with accountability, it's providing with structure, it's providing with the confidence. So how can I position the online coaching to basically solve those problems or generate some value in online coaching, solving those problems, whether that's in the pitch I do previous to them coming in for the consult or the sales call, 
um, or and or during that process. Um, so those are my initial things that I would look at changing moving forward. Basically, there is, and when price becomes an issue, um, there's a couple of different things that I would suggest in doing. The first thing is empathizing with the person. I think is really, really important. Um, and I think our natural reaction sometimes is to default to meet them where they're at, to get them in as a client. So I would always really, really, as soon as that barrier comes up or that um, objection comes up, I think we default on the, not on the, yeah, I guess on the defensive quite a lot. And we default onto justifying and to pulling people over to the way that we see things, which is why I think we just constantly kind of push back, not push back, sorry, but ask more open-ended questions about what do they think that's going to give them going forward? Is that meeting their needs? So forth and so forth. Um, so those are my initial thoughts that I would go back on and how I would deal with that moving forward. Agree. Anything you'd add? No. You fucking think so, to be honest. <laughs> I don't even need to ask this question. I don't even need to ask this question. Who would win in a who would win win? 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 You can't speak, never mind wrestle. Who would win in a wrestling match? Oh, I think I would take it. I, I'm obviously just gonna back myself and know for a fact I'll suplex next head off his neck see that sense of security that you've got would, would completely be you know, what about it? being very confident of picking you up and ragging you around like a ragdoll hey listen did you watch the did you watch the gladiators at the weekend launch no, no. oh didn't you watch it there was a wrestling thing in that where they had to fucking wrestle each other to be fair and get to the middle and press the buzz and that's how you could get your points um but the women's one was Decent, like fucking aggressive. Shelly McCoy was in it. Remember Shelly? Yeah, yeah. yeah, she's in it. Um, and a few others actually. There's an ex pure gym PT that we've had on a course before. Who's that? Livy. She's in it as well. Is that George as well? And Matt yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. But that part of it was the best part, I thought. Mm. Um, the wrestling bit. But yeah, be all and end all. It's whoever asked this question, Reese, I'll fuck him up. Simple as that. <laughs> and when it when it comes to that, like when it when it what did you say? When it comes to that, the advantage is is it's very small. It's like primordial dwarf size. So with that, like I've got a bigger target, and so if he chops the tree properly and goes for the legs, <laughs> he might have he might have the advantage there slightly because he's 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 closer there, but he he won't be able to keep me down for long. It's as simple as that, really. Next question. How to manage? This is a oh, this is a good question. How to manage clients' expectations during the onboarding process? Uh, very, very similar answer to what I gave to the previous question. Um, we need to we need to know them and understand them to be able to manage their expectations. Um, and 
when it comes to that, we, I, I guess sometimes it, it's the best way I can describe it is giving people what they want, but wrapped in what they need. So I think it's a really important thing to make sure that we fully understand the, <clears throat> their expectations um, and also not the best way I could describe it is manage it and future pace it. So, you know, people coming in wanting to see kind of results, you know, everybody does. So it's about future pacing that and showing them the roadmap of that and how that links to where they want to be. And then also certain questions like, um, you know, achieving that result with your lifestyle and current situation now, what do you think and believe you need to change to, to achieve that goal? How hard on a scale of one to 10 do you think that's going to be? Um, things like um, what's your, again, on a scale rating of one to 10, how important is it for you to achieve that goal? And again, on a scale of one to 10, um, what is, how would you rate your belief on achieving that goal? Those types of questions open up discussions to dig into expectations and help manage them without, in, back when I used to kind of have that client in when, um, you know, the common answer, oh, how fast do you want to see was on as quickly, quickly as possible tomorrow? All that kind of shit is, I would, I wouldn't manage, I didn't manage that process very well at all. And I think without digging into the details of that, I used to kind of come back on them and say, oh, well, you know, you're going to have to give up this and you know, you're going to have to do this and this and this and this and this. And I, even though that's trying to manage it, but it's being very direct, people kind of know that shit already. But it's it's getting their understanding of what they think and feel they need to change and then being able to kind of map that out with them, I think is really, really important. The obvious thing of like um, adding some educational pieces in there yeah. and whatnot is, ob is obvious and the features is obvious. But I think managing that from a coaching standpoint from day one and or even before they come in for that is um, even more important. Anything you'd add? Nah. Yeah. Um, tips to improve my focus when I keep getting distracted by negative thoughts and self-limiting beliefs. Okay, so clearly on this, I can only give general advice. I think with something like that is picking up on patterns um, and picking up on patterns and trends of the root of the issue and just to see if there is any patterns and trends that are causing the negative thoughts and the, the self-limiting beliefs. Um, now, that's quite difficult because that will probably need someone to ask you the right questions or for you to ask yourself the right questions. And I suppose... Um, I haven't done a lot of it, but I suppose this is where the value in is, is having some level of journaling in your life and to kind of sit down to be able to 
ask yourself difficult questions and if there's something that keeps cropping up around them negative feelings and thoughts and then they start to trigger some self-limiting beliefs then it's how could you address them things um personally because in in terms of tips to improve your focus then if we're not getting to the root of a problem and really working on that and addressing it then the focus is never going to be the focus is never going to improve um so for me if you don't do it already i think that might be a shout i'm not talking from experience it but i'm talking from a in my head a logical way is to like if this was we were sat on here one-to-one -one with someone and they brought that up we would ask them a barrage of kind of questions go back and forth a little bit and understand the roots and is the trends to that and is there any triggers and then if there is then how can we work through them things and for when they occur again and happen what coping mechanism or what support can you put in place for yourself to work through it um what i would say is that if you do see a trend or if there is something that crops up that is going to show itself up in your business quite often and it's just part and parcel of say running a business and being a coach uh, and all of that type of stuff i would look at now if that is a specific thing, I would look at how you view what you can control over them things and start to look at what elements of that you can't control and then therefore what your expectations are on managing that. And then hopefully as you work through that, then certain things won't affect your self-limiting beliefs as much. And I think the one thing that may be and I'm sure this isn't the relevant thing right now, but it might be relevant to, to others, is that normally, let's say if a client just ghosts you or leaves you and has no explanation or leaves you out of nowhere, sometimes that can really trigger a lot of coaches for it to play on their mind, what have I done wrong? What have I not done right in terms of the support, the communication, it's come from nowhere and it kind of feels like they've, they've kind of hit you with a bit of a low blow. I think... One thing I would say is that if it's something similar to that, then there is a level of acceptance I'm working through. And maybe this is a bit of kind of the, the tough love that compassionate coaching brings sometimes is there's a level of acceptance of that's going to happen from some people. You're going to get that from time to time, probably once, twice, three times a year. Clearly, hopefully it, it, it doesn't happen as frequent as as potentially most people wouldn't want it to happen, but it's then what are you going to do to be able to manage your expectations and work through them occasions? Because as the business grows, as you get busier, that may happen a little bit more. So I would suppose it's just doubling down on the root of the problem, finding a coping mechanism, whether that's a call with us, a call with somebody else, whether that's journaling to recognize the trends and go, right, actually, if this does happen again, i.e. a client leaving me out of nowhere and all of that, like, how can I work through that in terms of it not being a representation of who I am as a person or as a coach and all of that? And how can I focus on the 95% of positives I've got in my business and the, the feedback that I get versus that 5% that happens now and again? So that would be, I know it's a very long-winded answer, but I'm trying to keep it generic, but also quite specific to a problem. So hopefully that helps in some way. Would you add anything to that? 
yeah focus is the single biggest thing that you need when you're working as a sole trader isn't it it's the single biggest thing that you have to have um so anything coming in that is diverting that focus is is a hard thing to deal with the thing that came up in my head which you've addressed which i'll reiterate is dealing with those negative thoughts head on whatever that looks like right um like you said talking to someone whether it's us whether it's someone else um but i also feel that getting your at this point when you're not focused and things come in and it, it knocks you off track is making sure this is a controllable is making sure your business is out of your head um it's so important because trying to deal with negative thoughts while trying to decipher and prioritize and um think about your business with the multiple things that we all have to think about it's it's near impossible right so you know whether that is you, you've got the dashboard whether that is having a timeline on the wall which for me is something we've both done at the beginning of this year which has helped massively to focus on certain things and leave other things for later also things like having something in front of you every single day that you can see which um maybe has a little bit about your why around your business about your standards that you hold for yourself um is i think really helpful because and also like if i was what what was i watching last night i was watching um steve bartlett's vlog which is really good and he I, he was he was talking to a girl similar about this and he said when he was um starting all these businesses when he was really really young that he had a i can't remember his exact phrase but he had like this shelf where he would put all these ideas and he would just park them on this shelf whether that's a list or a board or whatever so we could that would help his focus so he's not forgetting about it he's not acting on all the other things but it just helps that he puts that over there for a set for for the minute um which helps again his focus so so yeah i think definitely getting something up so you can visually see it and it's in front of your face every day and there's a bit of a timeline really helps i think yeah and i think not downplaying it there's a when i say about working through things so they're going these things are going to happen so it's finding a way to work through them it's not downplaying it because we all go through it and i think with experience you let things affect you less and i think and clearly each person's different but the more focused you are on your individual and personal goals if something is a trend of let me use that example before of a client's kind of come from nowhere and saying they're leaving or they've just ghosted you or whatever um as you get more experienced and deal with that more often it it becomes slightly less bothering to you because you know what you're working towards and if they've gone gone that's 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 it and all you can focus on and what you can control right now is moving forward which is either a getting clients into your business um or b giving the best service possible that you know that you are doing 
um, because your survey feedback kind of provides you with that and you've got that confidence or a bit of both. So yeah, I would go off that. It's really easy to kind of focus on. It's like, I don't know, the amount of times PTs have come to us and gone, oh, I've had a really negative comment on this post. Um, this person's really took it personally, X, Y, Z. And then it really badly affects them in their output of social media. And we're like, how many posts have you put out over the past three years? 300 and whatever. Okay. How many times has that happened? Once. But this like really affects them. So it's looking at them kind of lower at them, them kind of averages as well of going, actually, this is 5%. It's 1%. The rest of it is positive. It's great feedback and all of that. So just trying to keep your eye on that stuff too. Next question is tips for getting my face on my stories. I bottle it every time. Um, first, one thing is um, accountability. So whether that's setting up accountability with us, whether that's set, setting up accountability with your audience, like telling them you're going to be adding context to the post that you put out, um, et cetera, um, I think is a big one. Um, I think... Having having something to talk about, obviously, um, maybe even pre-planned, I think is a big one. Um, I think about having an objective behind what you want to get from the stories, like what are you putting out there? Why are you putting out there? Do you want people to engage with you? Do you want people to um, have more context before they read tomorrow's post? Do you want people to act on joining your lead magnet, your trial, your front end offer, whatever? So I think combination of those things from accountability, pre-planning, having the objective set out, um, those three ingredients will probably help you take action on it. And I think with anything, mate, if you're waiting for motivation, um, obviously action creates motivation, doesn't it? Sure. Like that. Von Gandhi. Anything you'd add? No, great. Be a load of bollocks anyway, whatever you say. Um next one. What would you say is the average number of online conversations a month to generate one new starter a month? I would say an average around 40. Yeah, I would say on average around 40. I, 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 there's an element of generalization in that, but I, I would say average 40. I, I would expect that if you give it dedicated time, you could probably do a lot more. Um, but that allows for the natural life to get in the way, um, business to get in the way and all of that. But if I, I would say if you're relying on online conversations to bring you in clients, and you're not doing or can't do 10 a week, there's a problem that you need to solve. Well, that was a bit serious, wasn't it? Um, the next question isn't loading. It's still not loading. Do you put a 5, 10, 15-minute gap between sessions to allow for overrunning and a chance to recap client notes, etc.? 
or schedule back to back. It's personal preference and also a process of elimination. Like I wouldn't do it for overrunning at all. I generally wouldn't um, simply because with your, and yes, clients talk, right? But with your um, session plans and programming, in my opinion, that should be kind of timed into blocks anyway, with a little bit of uh, acceptance of this might run over a little bit, that block might run over, I might need more rest here, we might need to demonstrate a little bit more, might need to, whatever. So I wouldn't do it from an overrunning perspective. Um, I would say if you're finding yourself having to um, needing maybe a five to 10 minute to set things up to maybe remind yourself of last week for that client coming in. I think you, I think the reminding of that could probably be done before the, the first session starts. So you get a bit of a head start on the day. Um, it's more, I would put a gap in between if it's more about mental energy, focus and clarity um, rather than overrunning or taking notes. Um, so yeah, it does come down to personal preference more so. How would you have done it? Yeah, I've done both. I've done both. Um, and I think, again, if I was to step foot back into a gym um, and, and go again, um, I think I would like to have that gap in between just to make sure I've updated what I've needed to or the, depending on how you run your sessions, the clients updated what they've needed to um, and have that time for it to, for us to have conversations. I was, I'm always in the mindset of in any session, whether I'm coaching athlete, new person, a bloody seven-year-old kid football at the start and end of the session, needs to be the best parts of it at points. I mean, for them. Um, so I think if that means that you have a little debrief and a chat and you update notes and all of that, I, I think personally that would be a good shout. Just my personal preference anyway. Go on then, ask the next question. Potentially a controversial one, but what's your thoughts, if any, on James Smith entering the mentoring space? Can't help feel he's too far removed from it all to be offering business advice um i don't think it's a controversial one um i think let's be dead real if there's anyone who is however you want to put it qualified enough to to give coaches some element of online business advice from what he's done. Um, he is that person because what he's done for himself that's therefore organically, positively affected the fitness industry, in my opinion, massively, is huge. So um, my thoughts are like, it's never really should or shouldn't do it because like it's got fuck all to do with me. But my opinion is, is that absolutely he has the right to do it and he should. Um, the only other thing that I would say is the PT business advice I've heard him give on social media before 
and from clips of his business events have been a bit uh, removed, as you put in here, in regards to the present um, service that you could provide clients, payment methods, the way you coach and all of that. But I don't think that's just him. I think that's just a lot of people in the industry still see personal training as the face-to-face -face stuff is still just exchanging time for money in terms of blocks of sessions and all of that type of stuff. So long and short of it is I think it's fair play to him. Like like I said before, if anyone's qualified to do that for what he's done, he's, it's him. Um, but hopefully um, the coaching or mentoring or stuff that he puts out isn't too far removed from kind of years ago when he maybe was on the gym floor and so on. It had made logical sense for him to very much be focused on how or be specialized in how to build kind of a membership kind of business um, or an online specific online coaching business. Um, so yeah, they're my thoughts. I don't know if you want to add anything to that. No, I'd agree. Um, yeah, I'd agree. I think there's a, it'd be interesting to see what it actually is because from what I understand of his business, you know, I don't, I can't see, I can more see it as like a pre-recorded type of scenario, which I think would have value because I think his points for, I think the way he speaks and his recall on information is amazing. Like from what I've listened to in the past, it's insane. It's very, I'm very jealous of it. Um, I don't know how that would fit with actual mentoring people in what, in comparison of what <clears throat> my eyes is. But um, I think it's going to be interesting. I think he's got, like you said, he's definitely got the right and the place to give advice. Yeah. Um, my issue with anything done on a pre-recorded broad scheme like that is the fact that it doesn't work for most. PTs. Most PTs need a bit like a client does individual support and guidance for a period of time to build self-efficacy within the principles of running a business and then be able to be on the way and kind of keep themselves accountable to, to that stuff. So um, if it adds a course and if it adds generalization, it will probably work like anything, probably help a small percentage of people. Um, but most coaches need some element of individual business coaching. Um, so if it doesn't offer that, I think it'll struggle. The business might not, but the success of the coaches that go in it probably will. Um, next question, when prospective clients say in a consultation, I just need X, for example. Oh, I just need X. For example, I just need one session a week or I just need sessions, not nutrition coaching. But you know that isn't enough based on what they have opened up about. How would you suggest that they need more than they think they do without appearing judgy or rude? Good question. Yeah, similar to the previous question, really. It's um, it's really digging into the, the challenges and really digging into the barriers. I feel like a broken record a little bit, but... Um, and... 
understanding their perspective and viewpoints on what those changes need to be made to get them to where they want to be. Um, like I said before, like those questions in regards to, you know, looking six months down the road, what do you think needs to happen for you to achieve that goal? What's your perspective? What's your understanding of what needs to change? I think that's an important question because that will give you an understanding of what their expectations are, what they think needs to happen. Um, and I think digging into what they've tried before, what they're doing now, what support they need in the areas, and also kind of framing the, that sales call or consultation in regards to these are the things we're going to dig into because these are the absolute areas that are going to, in my, from 99.9% .9 of my clients make the difference in regards to, you know, getting fitter or giving people exactly what they want. Um, and, and when you're going through those barriers, when you're going through those challenges, it's a coaching scenario, not a sales scenario. A coaching scenario is asking questions and listening and taking those responses and responding accordingly. A selling scenario is telling and talking way more than the client. So that's how I deal with that. I, I almost, it shouldn't actually get to the point where they're going, I just need one session a week. It shouldn't get to that, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, anything you'd add? One more. One more. Uh, it's six weeks challenge transformation season. Uh, these aren't my thing. How would you keep clients focused as they inevitably start to see some seductive claims on socials? So the way I would look at this, and this question just remind me of stuff that I used to do, but the way I would look at it is, is, and clearly you already know this, but just because it's not your thing doesn't mean to say it's not your client's things. Um, and they probably have a level of education from being in with you of what you stand for, your values, and that's why they're there, a million percent. Although it doesn't mean to say that their mindset and goals won't flex with that external influence, because especially at this time of year and then seeing stuff like that, some people will. Um, so... I've got two responses to this. The first one would be, so like I, I used to, whether this was is viewed right or wrong, I don't really give a shit, but I used to go out with to my clients every single year at this time of year um, and ask anyone, I used to do it as a bolt on in revenue, if anyone wanted to do the accelerator. So like, because there was some people who would go, yeah, I'm, I'm on the program already, but I want an added layer of accountability. Now, some people would look at that and go, well, that's just fucking coaching the person. I would agree, probably looking at it. Um, but what we used to do is take the one-to-one -one clients and then put them into this accelerator where it was higher levels of accountability, a bit more aggressive targets that we've created ourselves. Um, and it was just a short burst. I think it was like four, six, or it was never eight weeks, four or six weeks of just a short burst. And for some people in the business, that really helped that level of, I suppose, aggressiveness in terms of their targets, accountability, and really help them kick on initially, but keeping their mindset and expectations on how they come out of it and then manage that process. So, yeah, I think, 
I don't think that does any harm. So you could potentially do that. The other way of looking at it is, is that make sure that you explore from a goal setting perspective, A, that you're super clear on what your client's goals are right now. Specifically, do they want to go into a little bit more of an aggressive kind of phase where they start to sprint or accelerate a few of their goals, whether it's nutrition, whether it's fat loss, whether it's whatever it is in terms of training um, for an event or training for a specific reason. Like don't neglect or don't have not have them conversations just because we're not in that camp. Because yeah, some people in your business, they might be only one or two, but they might go, yeah, actually, I really want to fucking, I've got a good free run. I'm not doing X, Y, and Z project for work. I'm at home, I'm in structure, I'm in routine. And that's me until the end of Feb. So do you know what? I'm going to give a good fucking go at it. I know we normally do this, but let's let's really attack it now. And if that's the case, then that's reassured you that you've had them conversations and it's meeting the client where they're at. And now, don't get me wrong, they might get to four or five weeks down the line, go, fuck this, I don't want to carry on. But they're still in your business and you're still super clear on what them things are. So for me, that that's how I used to manage it. So I went for a period of time doing it like that. Um, but the biggest thing is, is, is making sure, I think for everybody, that making sure that you really know specifically what your clients want and needs and, and essentially how hard they want to push right now because some people's mindsets might change slightly from the norm. Anything you'd add to that? Nope. Excellent. Any final thoughts, Nick? Nope. We're on a live in three minutes on Instagram. Be ready. All right? Be ready. See you in a bit, people. Bye.